love history but hate when it's stuffy and boring? Well, look no further and join me, Katie Charlewood, your friend the neighborhood social scientist and reader of books, as I delve into unsolved historical mysteries, murders by gaslight, and of course, women who have been misrepresented through all time. On Who Did What Now, the history podcast that's not your history class. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. What do you get when you take two childhood friends with a passion for unexplored history and a whole lot of booze? You get us, Queen's Podcast. And here at Queen's, we are spilling the tea on all kinds of women from history. From New Orleans voodoo queen, Marie Laveau, to Marie Antoinette, and everything in between. Each queen is paired with a cocktail recipe that will totally get you in the mood to hear the fun, dramatic, and juicy stories of fascinating women from history. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Cheers! It began long ago. Two young boys in an American town riding their bikes to school and Little League practice. Over the years, the boys became fast friends, united in their love for stories where things would go horribly wrong. Pour yourself a strong beverage and buckle up. You're in the shallow end with Schnebley and Toth. Hey, Linz, we're fresh back from our trip to Thailand. That was crazy fun. And boy, are your arms tired. Get it? He didn't even say anything about flying, Lindsay. Yeah. No. Let's start over. You know what? It, it, it's a lot like uh, Biff in uh, Back to the Future. He said, why don't you make like a tree and get out of here? <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah. So how does it feel to be home? It feels wonderful, except my arms are really tired. Yeah, yeah, good joke. Are you both jet-lagged out of your skulls? Out of our nope. skulls. Out yeah. of our skulls. Worth it's it. crazy. How long does that take to uh, to come back to Earth, so to speak? Well, it's uh, so far it's been uh, five days, four days, yeah. and we're still just taking a series of really long naps. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Neither one of us have had a good solid night's sleep. In fact, Kat got up one morning. And uh, we puttered about, and then about two o'clock, she says, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna lay down for a nap." And I said, "Okay, great." And uh, she slept pretty soundly. I, I didn't want to wake her. She woke up at quarter to midnight. It was <laughs> <laughs> a good nap. She was ready for breakfast. Time yeah. to start the day. How long did it take when you guys got there? When you were actually in Thailand, how long did it take for you to adjust, or did you ever completely? Oh, that wasn't nearly as bad. Mm, yeah. No, I was just getting up really early. But other than that, it was okay. Yeah, cool. it wasn't bad. Good. It wasn't bad. Coming back was different. Going over, you lose a day or 12 hours. You know, coming back, you gain it, but it messes your system up a lot more. Yeah. It's, it's for me anyway. You I, know, I, uh, I've talked about the fact that I am obsessed with uh, that app, Flight Radar 24, and tracking yeah. planes. And when somebody I know is flying... And I will text them on the tarmac, what's your flight number? Uh, what, what time do you take off? <laughs> and so watching you guys fly to and from and every mm-hmm. couple of hours checking to see, oh, they're still over the Pacific Ocean. Oh, they're yeah. still over the Pacific Ocean. Oh, they're still yeah. over the Pacific Ocean. It was just like, <laughs> yeah, wow, if this is long for me, I can only guess what it was like for you being in a, in a metal tube for how long yeah. is that flight? 18 hours? 15 hours, 15. yeah, in a metal tube, and my pants were way too tight. Isn't it funny how your your pants tighten up in a long flight like that? Not a day goes by that I don't say that. Nothing to do with me. It has to be my <laughs> pants. All right, I got a story for you. Let's get to it, shall we? Hit me. In January of 2013, several towns in Australia were experiencing a rash of thefts. Hmm. 
mostly valuables that had been left in parked cars. Theft rash. Cat was actually robbed. Her her car was robbed one time, mm. and they stole your um, Home Depot uh, cards. Yeah, they well they stole everything, yeah. but the worst part was the Home Depot cards. Gift cards. Yeah. Oh, how yeah. much? How much? She's still in grief therapy. It was, um, I had just received several gifts so I could redo my roof. And so it was $1,200. Oh, and F me naked. Yeah. 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 Oh, terrible. God. So these thefts are going on in Australia. And for many weeks, cars left in parking lots or parking garages uh, were targeted. After getting away with dozens and dozens of these burglaries, those responsible became more brazen and more bold in their approach. They started robbing cars with people still in them. What? And not just cars that were parked in a parking lot, but cars at intersections <laughs> that had come to a stop for a red light. Good grief. So it wasn't a car jacking? They didn't no. take the car? They no. just took... Okay. Yeah, if the window was rolled down and they were stopped at a red light and there was something that they perceived as uh, having some value that could easily be grabbed... They would do that. They would steal it. Good Cell phones, grief, wallets, handbags. Those were, were common targets. And one woman, her insulin was in one of the okay, bags. That's, and, just, uh, that's just rude. Yeah, these people were dirt bags. Yeah. Anyway, this is what happened to a man named Brad McDonald. On an otherwise pleasant evening around 10.30 p.m. on January 4th of 2003, Mr. McDonald was coming back from a job and was traveling through the inner suburban Redfern area when he came to a red light. Okay. He was driving a Land Cruiser and he, he brought it to a safe stop. He had left the passenger seat window down, making him easy pickings for the increasingly emboldened thieves. So far, JG, uh, this is not a very interesting story. We're getting there. A guy was driving, and yeah. he stopped his car at a stoplight. Yes, I think we've all stopped at red lights. <laughs> On his passenger seat was a thick canvas bag, which contained all of the fruits of his day's labor. Now we're getting interesting. Before the light turned green, the thief ran up beside Brad's Land Cruiser, quickly reached through the window, grabbed the bag, and fled. Stunned... McDonald managed to quickly pull his car to the side of the road. He threw it into park. He jumped out and gave chase to the uh, fleeing thief. Go, Brad. Now, Brad was, you know, he was at a disadvantage because the thief, being more familiar with his surroundings, knew where he was going and disappeared into a nearby block of housing commission units. McDonald, in addition, was exhausted because he'd been working all day and uh, he quickly lost sight of the thief. Obviously, Brad was very upset that this theft had taken place. Hell yes. But probably not as upset as the thief would become when he reached into the bag to retrieve his ill-gotten booty. <laughs> I was just going to say, also, ill-gotten booty. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was just going to say, you've been a little <laughs> evasive uh -huh. about what's in this bag. Yeah. You at one point referred to it as the fruits of his labor. Right. You mentioned that he was tired from right. working all day. Yes. See, I didn't notice any of this, Cat. <laughs> <laughs> well, Cat, you're on to something there. It's true the canvas bag did contain the fruits of McDonald's labor for that day. But probably not the kind of fruits the thief was expecting. You see, what the thief didn't know was that Brad is a professional snake catcher. <laughs> yeah. And inside the bag, 
was a red-bellied black snake. Mm. Uh, very venomous. Its bite is unbelievably painful. Oh. Um, and it could actually kill a smaller person like a child. Wow. And this was not a small snake either. It was 1.2 meters long. That's about four feet. Yeah. A four-foot red-bellied black snake. McDonald had captured the snake underneath a parking garage at the uh, inner city suburb of Piermont that evening and was driving back to relocate the snake in a safer area when he was robbed. (laughs) The thief was described as uh, 180 centimeters tall or about five foot eight. According to the, uh, the police report, he was wearing a red sloppy joe and long dark pants. Now, I knew what the pants were, but I had to look up what a sloppy joe was because to me it's just a delicious sandwich. Actually, now that I think of it, I have worn a delicious sandwich before, but that's really been more of <laughs> a comment a, on my table manners. It's a different story. Than my selection of clothing items. Anyway, in Australia, a sloppy joe is a baggy woolen jumper, or as we call it in the U.S., a sweater. Okay. I'm curious about this from the snake's perspective, because he's probably <laughs> not all that happy about being captured from wherever right. he was hiding. Mm. But he's, I'm picturing him like asleep in this bag and, you know, the kind of gentle rumble of the car maybe lulls sure. him to sleep. Yeah. And then Happens all of a sudden, he's jerked out of wherever he's been, you know, sitting on this, on this passenger seat. And now the guy's running with him and the snake's thinking, whoa, whoa, what, what the hell? What the hell? <laughs> You have an amazing insight into uh, Snake's mind, Thank you. Lindsay. Thank you very much. <laughs> so, McDonald obviously notifies police, and an inspector, Ian Moore, was the duty officer in Redfern and said, quote, I would like to have been a fly on the wall when he opened that bag. He went on to say, we've been checking hospitals and emergency clinics for snake bite victims. Um, if this gentleman is prepared to come forward or even just contact us to tell us where the bag or the snake are, we would welcome that. The snake is venomous and should not be approached. Now, of course, the press jumped right on this. Sure. Uh, this is this is made for, for the front page in many types of newspapers. <laughs> and uh, they interviewed Brad McDonald, and they asked him if he was concerned about the thief's uh, well-being, his safety. And he didn't miss a beat. He said, quote, I'm more worried about the snake, to be truthful. (laughs) Yep, me too. The snake didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. Fortunately (laughs) for the thief, I guess, um, he never reported to the hospital with a snake bite. Unfortunately, he was never caught. The snake was on the loose. This, of course, created a great deal of concern because the snake did pose a a danger to children or animals. So, or any person who doesn't want to get bit by a snake. Sure, yeah, sure. yeah. A team of experienced snake catchers were dispatched. I don't think I've ever said that sentence before. <laughs> to recover the snake, the snake would normally live on rats and small rodents, so probably in the inner city he could find enough to eat. Yeah. I looked and looked and looked for a follow-up on the story, and I, I can't find one. I don't know if they were successful in capturing and relocating the snake or not. The last I heard was Inspector Moore was urging people, if you come across a blue-gray canvas bag, uh, it's best to keep your distance and contact the police yeah. immediately. I'm trying to picture, like, would police set up some sort of perimeter, you know, for three blocks? Really, really low perimeter. Yeah. Just high enough to keep a snake inside. Have you got any bags on you, Mike? <laughs> My source information for this story was smh.com. 
I'm sorry. Yeah, that's right. SMH.com.au. That's the site of the Sydney Morning Herald. Uh, also, <laughs> I assumed it was shaking my head. <laughs> I text too yep. much. Shakingmyhead.com. Uh, <laughs> Readers Digest and Don.com. Uh, I would love to know what happened to that guy who stole the snake. And wouldn't it be delightful if somewhere, somehow, he pulled into an alley to check what was in there, maybe a closed circuit TV camera or a security camera, caught his reaction when he reached inside the bag and saw a four-foot red-bellied black snake. We can only hope. Snake theft. I hope that that was the event that turned his life around and now he spends his days listening to podcasts and has found yours and writes in or calls us even better yeah. and tells us the story of how this snake bag, bag snake, snake, the bag of snakes. Yeah. The, it, he wants yeah. to tell us how the bag of snakes changed his life. I would love yes. to hear that. For the better. Yeah. Or, or, and we have a lot of listeners in Australia. Maybe somebody, somebody knows who did this or has the follow-up to it or something. We, if you do, give us a shout. Send oh us an God. email. Or probably would, the email would be better. I uh, would want to read that book. Bag of Snakes Changed My Life. <laughs> <laughs> Harrowing Life, true story. <laughs> lifeguard at shallowendpodcast.com. You're in the shallow end with Schnepley and Toth. When Johann Rahl received the letter on Christmas Day, 1776, he put it away to read later. Maybe he thought it was a season's greeting and wanted to save it for the fireside. But what it actually was, was a warning, delivered to the Hessian colonel, letting him know that General George Washington was crossing the Delaware and would soon attack his forces. The next day, when Rawl lost the Battle of Trenton and died from two Colonial Boxing Day musket balls, the letter was found, unopened in his vest pocket. As someone with 15,000 unread emails in his inbox, I feel like there's a lesson there. Oh well, this is The Constant, a history of getting things wrong. I'm Mark Chrysler. Every episode, we look at the bad ideas, mistakes, and accidents that misshaped our world. Find us at constantpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you interested in the parts of history that remain a mystery? Do you want to learn more about the historical myths and misconceptions used to prop up false belief today? I'm Nathaniel Lloyd. In my podcast, Historical Blindness, I delve into all of these topics, sharing puzzling tales from the past and examining hoaxes, conspiracy theories, and misremembered events that provide insight into modern politics and religion. Find out what's real and what's not when it comes to famous conspiracy theories like those surrounding notorious assassinations and secret societies. Discover the weak and deceptive underpinnings of modern political ideologies and religious beliefs. Join me as I attempt to shed some light on our historical blind spots. New episodes every two weeks. Find historical blindness on most podcast players and platforms. You've been in love with your partner for years now, maybe even decades. And over the years, you found the perfect Valentine's Day card to tell that person exactly how you feel about them. Well, this year, it's time for something different. The truth. Introducing new Love is Truth Valentine's Day cards. The only cards that strip away the facade of a relationship. These cards just tell the truth. In all the years we've known each other, I've never once found your stories about your childhood the least bit interesting. Please, stop telling them. 
I lied when I told you how your lasagna was better than anything that my grandmother ever made. Truthfully, it's like eating manure mixed with gravel and shards of glass. You have no business being in the kitchen. Ever. Love is Truth Valentine's Day cards cost a little more, but try putting a price on real honesty. That mole on your left arm is the ugliest thing I've ever seen. I have to look away when we're at a restaurant together. Please get that damned thing removed. I pray you. Remember when I told you how good you looked in that new white jacket? I was lying. It's the most unflattering thing I've ever seen on anyone, including your mom. New Love is Truth Valentine's Day cards. Love is Truth Valentine's Day cards may do serious and irreversible damage to your relationship. We take no responsibility for any physical retribution that may result. Love is Truth Valentine's Day cards shouldn't be purchased by anyone with less than 10 years of committed relationship or people in Florida or Arizona or any state where guns and ammunition are sold. If a relationship is as good as it is honest, well, you're about to burn that f***er down. Love is Truth Valentine's Day cards. Wait an hour after eating before listening to this podcast. You're in the shallow end with Schnebly and Toth. The email address, as always, lifeguard at shallowendpodcast.com. We got one from uh, a listener subscriber named Whitney. I've always loved that name. That's a nice name. Whitney. Whitney says, hey guys, love the podcast. I've been listening since y'all started. Growing up, we lived on a farm in the middle of nowhere with nothing to do and no internet. So we had many shallow end experiences of our own. For example, (laughs) tying an old mattress to a four-wheeler and going summer sledding, Mm -hmm, playing mm -hmm. tag with chicken eggs, and sledding (laughs) behind a horse in the winter. My brother was by far the craziest, though. He was an excellent unicycle rider. That's that's a phrase you hear very rarely anymore. Mm. He was an excellent unicycle rider, but always wanted to take it a step further. He attempted to ride his unicycle on the roof of our single-story house. (laughs) I say attempt because he said it was very hard, and he never made it more than a few feet. Well, one day while he was practicing, he thought it would be funny to prank me and my mom into thinking that he fell off the roof, but he wanted it to be believable. So to really make it look realistic, he decided to just straight up throw himself off the roof. Of course, we thought he'd fallen off because he did on purpose. He was fine, if not a bit sore, and it was still hilarious. Thank you for all you guys do. Don't let the pickleball haters get you down. Love, Whitney. Thanks, Whitney. We got an email from Marvin. And uh, he says, here's my contribution to the shallow end. Uh, Keep it up because you keep me laughing through the drama and the BS at work. Y'all are most definitely my peeps. Uh, Sorry for being gushy. I love your podcast and I'm baked AF. So, (laughs) Props for honesty to Marvin. Well done. Well done, Marvin. And and I'm particularly excited about this because Marvin is one of the first people to actually record the story on his phone and send the file to us. Check this out, you guys. Hi, Lindsay, JG, and of course, Kat. I just wanted to share a couple stories from when I was younger that I think fit in the shallow end. Uh, most of them include my brother. We'll just call him Toonses. Uh, you get that reference if you watch Saturday Night Live in the 80s. When he was younger, he used to do a lot of stupid things. Uh, some of them, I thankfully saved him from himself. Just a couple of examples of my brother treading water in the shallow end. 
Once when we were at home from school unsupervised because it was a snow day, uh, decided he wanted to see if he could recharge a battery by cutting an extension cord and attaching two ends of the frayed wire to the two sides of the battery and then plugging it in. He tried this and the battery promptly exploded in his face leaving a, one of those like cartoon imprints of soot and carbon on his face. The only reason that I knew it had happened was because there was a big pop and I saw the flash of the battery exploding out of the corner of my eye from the next room. <laughs> Another instance where my brother decided to dive into the shallow one head first. Tunces was a bit of a pyromaniac when he was younger and we had these uh, cabinets in our room that were constructed out of wood um, about counter height, and that's where we kind of stored our toys and stuff. Again, one day when we were home from school and not being supervised well, he decided he wanted to set some styrofoam cups on fire, but he knew that that wouldn't be a good thing to get caught doing, so he decided to crawl inside of these wooden cabinets and light these cups on fire. <laughs> So of course the cups lit up very nicely and started to melt and were very hard to put out and he nearly burned down our childhood home oh in the process. God. Oh my god. <laughs> the last story from Tunes is uh, he and one of his friends who was equally uh, nonsensical decided that they were going to go into uh, one of our neighbor's yards and cut some of their bamboo that they had growing and make makeshift spears out of them. Uh, so they did this and they took the bamboo and uh, sharpened the tip on one of them. And then they decided that it would be a good idea to play catch with these homemade javelins. <laughs> and to this day, Tunsis has a scar next to his left eye where he barely missed being impaled in the skull by this spear that he and his friend were throwing back and forth at each other, playing catch with. Good grief. <laughs> good grief. Yeah, so oh, um, Marvin, that's quite a family. That's uh, quite a that's quite a family, and, and I I love the fact that he nicknamed him Tunces. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about an obscure SNL reference. Well, not I mean, if not you that depending on your age, yeah, I guess. I suppose so. Yeah. Now he went on to tell his story of things that qualified him to be in uh, in the shallow end, and uh, I saved that for a, a later. Uh, episode and i was thinking about what what can we call these these types of submissions cat and i were kicking around some ideas something like uh tales from the local pool or i don't know any ideas yeah shallow end dips <laughs> okay here's a here's a shallow end dip from you know from marvin diver tales diver tales i love it diverticulitis Ah, <laughs> see what we did there? Talk about being on the same wavelength. We uh, also were talking about, we get a lot of uh, what we call boo effects, box of oddities effects on uh, the uh, box of oddities podcast. And that's just a, a remarkable coincidence that involves something that we talked about on, uh, on the show. And what could we call the shallow end equivalent of that? And we got an email. Somebody suggested ripple effect. I like that a lot. Me too. That's really, really smart. I think that's a good one. 
Why are our listeners smarter than us? Well, mm. get used to that. Why, um, why, why didn't why didn't we come up with that? Why is this person not on staff? Well, when we get a staff, we'll consider it. <laughs> there we go. Lifeguard at shallowendpodcast.com. Send your stories. We love it. Especially your ripple effects. Hello, everyone. It's Takuyi here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be. All right, Lindsay, your turn, my friend. It is my turn. The uh, The sub-headline for this is just some of the best writing I've ever seen. This is actually, this This comes to uh, comes to me from the New York Times. And the sub-headline is, How a football superfan in a wolf costume ended up in a cage. <laughs> Isn't that great? I love that. Yep. It said, Kansas City Chiefs fans worried when one of their team's most recognizable supporters didn't show up for a game. When he turned up in a Tulsa jail cell, they wondered if they'd known him at all. Well, this is kind of interesting because Kansas City Chiefs just yesterday, as of the recording of this episode, won the Super Bowl. An amazing uh, game that was. One of the, uh, and I I told uh, JG and Kat that I thought it was the single best Super Bowl game I'd ever seen. And uh, JG reminded me that it was the second best because the best involved the uh, Tom Brady and the Patriots comeback. coming yeah. back from Super Bowl 50. Super Bowl yeah. 50. Yeah. yeah. It, it, exactly. <sighs> mm-hmm. Everything okay? She's just bored. Oh. She doesn't like football. Oh. You know what's funny? Oh. 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 I saw a, a tweet uh, during the game, and it was from somebody in France, and he said, watching American football is a lot like going to a uh, Russian language class. I don't understand a thing that's going on, but I'm still there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but a Russian language class doesn't have commercials every couple of minutes. That's true. So you got that going for you. So before he landed in a Tulsa, Oklahoma jail cell, Chiefs-aholic seemed to have an enviable (laughs) life as a sports fan. He was an exuberant 28-year-old Kansas City Chiefs superfan in a wolf mask. Chiefs-aholic attended... (laughs) Every game, home and away, NFL broadcasts regularly featured him celebrating in the stands. He shared his adventures with more than 50,000 followers on social media, boasting about bets that would earn him tens of thousands of dollars if he won. He had a good seat to see his team win the Super Bowl in Miami in 2020. He took a selfie with the club's GM on the confetti-strewn field. He attended quarterback Patrick Mahomes' annual fundraising gala last month in Kansas City, and apparently won a painting that was featured on stage through the event, throughout the event. So he is a die-hard die Kansas City Chiefs Kansas fan. City fan, one of the most rabid fans, and, and had a, a real cult following amongst locals there. Now, the price tag for this painting must have been steep. A Super Bowl ticket like this would have fetched a minimum of $8,500, and an individual oh. ticket to this Mahomes benefit 
sells for $1,250 to say nothing of the travel cost to get there. Sure. So another super fan named Lynn Schmidt, who's known as Weird Wolf, says, <laughs> that was the only thing I questioned. How is he doing this? And Chief Saholic had a simple explanation. He said, it all comes down to hard work. After graduating KSU, Kansas State University, in 2016, I was working a warehouse job making $12 an hour. Today, I manage multiple warehouses throughout the Midwest region. I make an excellent living, and I'm only 28 years old. Hard work pays off. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise, unquote. Why do I get the feeling that this is not true? Because of the next sentence, JG. (laughs) (laughs) Police, court, and educational records largely tell a different story. And the source of his money remains a mystery. This much is clear. According to the police, on December 16th in Tulsa, he stopped at a bank. Oh, no. How did Kansas City's most ferocious fan become known for his arrest photo instead of just his wolf mask? Fans started to worry about Chief Saholic the day after Kansas City defeated the Houston Texans in December, and he didn't make it to the stadium in Houston. Even more concerning, he didn't post about the overtime victory on social media the way everybody, you know, had always seen him do. In fact, another concerned fan posted on Reddit, if anyone has seen him or is able to help, then please do your thing, Chief's Kingdom. One user on Reddit replied that there were, quote, literally thousands of people concerned for Chiefsaholic safety. And that he lived a clean lifestyle, making it unlikely that he ran into some kind of trouble. So after a few hours of online sleuthing, fans discovered the answer. A gentleman named Xavier Babudar is what the authorities knew Chiefsaholic to be. And that Xavier was sitting in a jail cell in Tulsa charged with robbery with a firearm after police say he stuck a CO2 pistol in a teller's face at a Tulsa credit union. He had been arrested just minutes after police got the call. So as of this writing, as of this writing, Babadar is still in this jail cell, unable to post the $200,000 bond. And it seems that it's where he's going to be uh, as of yesterday. Well, he, he certainly wasn't in the stands to watch the Super Bowl, but perhaps that's why he was robbing the bank, because you pretty much have to rob, rob a, bank a bank to buy a ticket to the Super Bowl. To even get a nosebleed seat. It's the truth. So the story of a fan in a wolf costume who posted memes recording hype videos uh, is alleged to have robbed this bank, possibly on his way to the game in Houston. And it sounds like a, you know, a made-for-Hollywood story. <laughs> but the truth about Babadar's private life, pieced together from a trail of records left in courthouses and police stations across the country, is way more serious and sobering. His father apparently abandoned the family when he was only 10 years old. And he started getting arrested even as early as in his teens and 20s. But mm. Chief Saholic reinvented himself in the public eye in the parking lot and stadiums where it's easy to be a character instead of a person and outlandishness isn't just tolerated, it's, it's celebrated. It's celebrated, right. yeah. Right? Fanatic. So in custody last month, Babadar signed an affidavit upon penalty of perjury and it provides a stark contrast to what he said about having pulled himself up for his, from, you know, by his bootstraps and, and becoming wildly wealthy at age 28 due to hard work. So the New York Times reaches out 
to interview him, which, you know, if I were him, I would think, okay, here's a chance to to give my story to the New York Times. He says (laughs) to the New York Times reporter, I'm currently in the process of selling my story rights. If the New York Times is interested in making an offer, please Uh feel free to let me know. (laughs) Ooh. Huh. I, it, I thought you weren't allowed to prosper that way yeah, from a I crime. Yes, it depends. Because uh, I, I wondered that same thing. I, I think if you've already done your time, then you're uh, allowed. I, I, I don't know. I don't know how that, hmm. how that works. But apparently Babadar and his mother and brother after, after dad left, really, you know, th- their lives went south. And they started getting into petty theft and... And Babadar ended up being uh, arrested at least a, a half dozen times. And the um, last time wearing a wolf outfit. A wolf a wolf mask. And there are actually still active warrants out for his arrest. But this guy was a brand. He had mm-hmm, a personalized mm-hmm. license plate on his car that said KCC Forever, the number four EVR. But at least eight times between 2016 and 2017, police in Overland Park, Kansas had contact with him for very different reasons, and none of them really good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but after this guy's arrest, this is, this is what's so interesting to me, is that all these Kansas City fans who thought they knew this guy so well are actually now crestfallen. It's like we really looked up to this guy. He was, he was the leader. He was our super fan. He was just... And and now they were saying nobody really knew this guy behind the mask, other than the fact wow. other than the fact that he would show up on game day, act crazy, and take lots of pictures with people. And it's just it's fascinating to me that even though he was not necessarily embraced by the team, he was he was such a familiar presence at all these games. And being on the field after the Super Bowl last year and then attending uh, you know Mahomes charity right, gala. Right, right. I right. mean, this guy was like a big deal. Yeah, and yeah, under- understandably, a team spokesman, a guy named Ted Cruz, uh, as well as a, a guy named Marquez Fitch, the director of, of the Patrick Mahomes Foundation, wouldn't even respond to uh, <laughs> to the New York Times for <laughs> no, of for course not. No, no. So we don't know this guy. Now that uh, the chief Saholic has been unmasked as Xavier Babadar, these behaviors are beginning to make sense, and people realized. You know, we never saw him flying anywhere. He was always driving to games, and he would never park at Arrowhead Stadium parking lot. He would walk his car, walk from his car miles away. And people are now thinking, well, God, maybe this guy was probably living in his car. So the question remains, how did he afford this life as mm-hmm. chief Saholic? And that's what people still can't figure out. Uh, but the FBI and even the U.S. Attorney's Office in northern Oklahoma uh, have not yet even commented on whether he faces federal charges or how he was he was funding his life. I think it's it's pretty clear that he would just drive all over the place to watch games and would just rob a bank along the way. Yeah, yeah. that's what it seems like was happening why to not? me. Yeah, sure. It's weird. I mean, there's just, lots of reasons why not. I don't mean why well, not. Sure, but, yeah, yeah no. but from his perspective, why <laughs> not? But it yeah. also, to me, as I was looking at these photos, it makes sense to me that this this is somebody who could be so visible and shake hands with with team players and executives and coaches and other super vans and at the same time 
he's not really visible because he's got this wolf mask mm. on. So uh-huh. he's he's really he's literally right there in their faces, and at the same time, they have no idea who he really is. Kind of like being in radio, isn't it? Yeah, minus the awful hours and the yeah, right, the exactly. jerk program directors and consultants. <laughs> Bank robbing is actually a better gig than morning radio. It certainly pays better. Uh, pretty much everything does. <laughs> everything does, indeed. Uh, I got uh, this, as I said, from the New York Times. Chiefs Aholic, we hope you question your life decisions and turn things around and go Chiefs. And uh, look where your ill-gotten gains got you. You missed the Chiefs Incredible during an victory. amazing comeback in the Super Bowl. That's, uh, yeah. yep, you're sitting there in the pokey. <laughs> the kids still call it the pokey these days? I don't think the kids ever did. I think our great-great-grandparents did. And they don't call it that anymore because they're no. dead. No. Mm. But our great-great-grandparents also didn't refer to the police as popo. So, it, you know, it all evens out. It does. Nature abhors a vacuum. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So concludes episode 38 yes. of uh, The Shallow End. Uh, thanks for hanging out with us, swimmers. Uh, we look forward to seeing you the next time around. Again, if you want to send us a story, uh, and especially if you want to record it and send it in, it's lifeguard at shallowendpodcast.com. These words we urge you to live by, make good choices. Because as you've heard... Your life may depend on it. So concludes another episode of The Shallow End with Schnebly and Toff. We thank you for listening. Oh, be a dear, would you? Please subscribe to this podcast, give these boys a five-star rating, and think of something nice to say, even if you have to make something up. And visit us online at shallowendpodcast.com. Okay, gotta go. <laughs>